Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the world's biggest stories told by the Times correspondents who wrote them. I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And I'm Laura Cook. Today, we've got possibly the worst typo ever and the tourists trading their flip-flops for firefighting. But first, Latin America's turning to drastic measures to combat gangs. El Salvador has a population of over 6.3 million people. Now, 1% of them are in jail. It's after the country's president, Bukele, started a mass crackdown on the country's brutal gangs, putting some of them in Latin America's biggest prison, which the government's press office has released footage of. What you're hearing there is just rows and rows of people running. 70,000 suspects are being held while they await trial, kind of like those done against the mafia in the 80s, but on a much bigger scale. Some of them might be waiting two years for that to happen. And this has really worried human rights groups, partly the thought of people being held that long without a conviction, but also because they've just passed laws in El Salvador, which means these territorial gang units can all be tried on the same evidence, rather than the evidence having to be linked to an individual. So in Italy, there were about 300 defendants in a court at once. We're looking at over 900 now. It means even something as small as having a tattoo, which could link you to a gang, could mean you're put behind bars. So if human rights groups are so against this, you might be wondering why it's gone ahead. Well, Stephen Gibbs is the Times guy over in Latin America. He can explain. This extraordinarily hardcore approach towards crime is working. Uh, Murder rates, kidnap rates, extortion rates in El Salvador have plummeted and people say that for the first time in a generation the streets are safe at night for for people to go out and for children to play etc. And Bukele himself has become this immensely popular leader. A survey just a few weeks ago uh, gave him a 93% approval rate. That uh, surely is the highest of any elected leader anywhere in the world. Given the country's history of crime, it's unsurprising people in El Salvador are glad to feel safe walking the streets at night. But on the flip side, the pictures from these jails, where up to 100 people are held in a single room, are shocking. You can see them by heading to the Times website. Now, we're all guilty of the occasional typo. Maybe it's adding kisses to an office email (laughs) or your predictive text reading your mind completely wrong. But... I bet you've never made one quite as bad as this. No. So the Ministry of Defence has been sending emails it thought were destined for the Pentagon. They thought they were sending the address with .mil, but instead were typing .ml. But you wouldn't think a letter would make that much difference, especially for emails of this kind of level of security. But actually, that one missing I means information about British research into hypersonic missiles was sent to Mali. That's a West African country, which is an ally of Russia. Yes, and a little background about them. The country was one of six African nations promised free grain by President Putin at a summit in Russia yesterday. And its military leader has turned to the Wagner Group mercenaries to crush resistance from jihadist rebels. 
So how did this all come to light? Well, last week it was revealed that millions of emails from US officials have been wrongly sent to Mali because of the same issue. The Times defence correspondent George Grills can explain. There's some examples that were collected since January this year. So we know for certain from the UK there were at least five in that period. The MOD is now investigating to see how many might have been sent over about a 10-year period. The domain name was managed by this Dutch entrepreneur, and he was the one who was sort of collecting uh, these emails. He had warned the Pentagon for a long time that he was getting these emails because of people making typos. Um, but he, he decided to raise the alarm one final time, having sort of been knocking on the door of the Pentagon for 10 years, uh, because he handed over the contracts at the beginning of this week. Yep, you heard that right. 10 years. So what else did these emails contain? Well, Johannes Zerbier is a Dutch entrepreneur who raised the alarm and he was getting the emails from the Pentagon. They included the travel plans of senior US generals and crew lists for ships. On the other hand, the ones that we're hearing about today, the ones from the MOD, were for the most part pretty trivial. But the worrying part is about those which contain detailed descriptions of the missile research. Now the MOD has begun an inquiry. Now, we've all been seeing the horrific pictures of wildfires affecting many of the Greek islands and people fleeing their hotels desperate to reach safety. Well, among those on the front line is Savas Philaderis, a local firefighter from Rhodes. Here he is speaking with desperation over the challenges that they're facing. Every day, every night, we are here and we don't make nothing. We can't, we can't stop. We fight, we fight. They, everybody, all the people, they fight. The, the simple people, the, the government, they ask everybody, but for nothing. I believe we fight for nothing. They say it's like fighting a losing battle. So far, more than 20,000 people have been evacuated from the island. But it's really at times like these where you see the best in people. In this case, it's a group of special volunteers who've taken on a pretty DIY-esque approach to do their bit. Yes, Tom Witherow has written about these guerrilla firefighters in today's times. And he's told us what he found when he visited the southeast of the island. I met tourists from Britain who'd swapped sunbathing for firefighting, including one couple who'd even cancelled their flight home to volunteer. They're using makeshift fire engines made from water tanks and garden hoses to tackle the blazes alongside the professional fire brigade. Greek volunteers were vital in the effort to rescue British tourists left stranded on beaches and roadsides last weekend. And now those same people are fighting the fires to save their own homes and farms. One expat called Stephen described them as the Taliban group of guerrilla firefighters, adding, the fire brigade is doing its job, but we're the ones making the difference. So as Tom explains there, this is really dangerous work, but they're helping the firefighters ferry water to the fire, hack into the forest with knives and chainsaws, and once they've reached the fire, they shout back to start the pumps. It's certainly not how you think your holiday is going to go. Now, there is so much going on in The Times today that we thought we'd give you a quick recap of some other pretty important stories. Yeah, firstly, the coup in Niger has taken another turn. The head of the country's presidential guards appeared on state television and declared himself the new leader. Nigerian, Nigerian, my dear compatriots, le mercredi 26 juillet 2023, 
That's General Tiani saying the military chose to take power because of the country's poor security and economy. He's now calling on international powers who, bar Russia, have all condemned the coup to support it. Now, there was a headline I couldn't not click on today. Iran's top female chess player refuses to be a pawn. And it's not just because that's a great pun. Now, this is about Sarah Kadem, who was competing at the World Championships last year without wearing the mandatory hijab. And when she got home, back to Iran, there was a warrant out for her arrest. So she fled to Spain, and now it's been announced she'll compete for them instead. She says she's not the first person this has happened to. For me, it was like I had to say that uh, I was under pressure for doing it. Uh, and I didn't send the video. They told me if you do that, you can go back. But I didn't want to do it. So that was when I realized maybe it's, it's not possible to go back anymore. And there's been another slightly different announcement today, this time from Kylie's Twitter. Yep, Kylie's following in the footsteps of Adele and Celine Dion. It's a major return for her to the US. She hasn't toured there since 2011. And she's promising extravagant songs and dresses, though. Well, I personally would love to hear an acoustic version of Padam Padam. (laughs) Before we go, I pop down to the Times floor to ask Assistant Foreign Editor Gemma Fox what they're working on. We have a dispatch from Staromayovsky in Ukraine looking at how the Ukrainians are now pushing back against the Russians using different tactics to what they've done before. And we have a very fun piece looking at the long and very strange history in the US of the fascination with UFOs off the back of the first congressional hearing. And that's all we've got time for on today's World in 10. We'll be back tomorrow.